Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 231. And joining us uh, through the courtesy of uh, the internet today is our two-wheeling reporter and our writer, Brian Robinson. Hello, thank you, Internet. And there he is on the outside. You always, you always have such a great background, Brian. Uh, it's, it's not real. It's the virtual. <laughs> and for our virtual over-the-edge reporter, Greg Carlos. You hello, do, hello. You, you do realize that you look like you're wearing a substantial crown. You're yeah. right dead center in that. Uh, that was the point, yeah, to uh, make okay. it look holy. Uh, uh, we know that. And who has no pretension at all with her background, our <laughs> online content coordinator, Jessica Ray. Jessica, great you could join us. Thanks for having me, everybody. And everybody out there, anything you see you like uh, through social media or on the internet from us, uh, it's Jessica. Uh, she's the, the point person, one that makes it happen. Yep. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, there are a lot of new vehicles coming out. Uh, most of them we haven't seen in person yet. Uh, some are have, but there's, you know, it's interesting now that the virus has sort of become, well, past its peak, I guess is the best way to put it in many parts of the country. More and more new vehicles are being debuted and we have first looks of them up on uh, YouTube and on our website. But let's start with two that are um, interest, I think, to families. The 2021 Toyota Sienna minivan, uh, which uh, is, has been up till recently the only minivan you could get with all-wheel drive. Uh, and also, Toyota has brought back the Venza, sort of uh, another compact slash midsize crossover, maybe a little bit softer and more elegant than the uh, RAV4. So we can start uh, with the uh, Sienna, they made a lot of news with the Sienna, right? Yeah, big time. Um, again, with the all-wheel drive system, but um, I don't know if you mentioned the the um, it's standard hybrid at this point, which oh. minivans make a great uh, hybrid platform, being able to put that battery under the, uh, the floor. The only issue is, um, and we've seen it with the Pacifica, is um, that stow-and-go seating in the Pacifica, you lose that because there is battery storage under the floor when you go with the hybrid. But... Um, Hey, you're getting back fuel economy. Well, and the Chrysler, that's a plug-in hybrid, so the batteries are much larger than what's in the Sienna. A big thing on the Sienna, though, too, is uh, the fact that the all-wheel drive system in it now is going to be electric, which I don't believe in. The Chrysler, uh, of course, Chrysler doesn't have a hybrid all-wheel drive yet. Their, their upcoming all-wheel drive regular Pacifica will still use a mechanical link. Sorry, Jessica, it looked like you were going to say something. Um, no, I mean, I, I just, I'm interested to see how the pricing is going to come out um, since it's an all hybrid system. You know, you yep. can't get a Sienna without a hybrid. So um, if it can stay competitive, I think with a lot of the other minivans, um, I, I think they've, they've got a winner here. <laughs> Toyota usually prices their hybrids pretty well. I mean, the RAV4 hybrid isn't that much more expensive over a standard RAV4. Yeah, I think it's like 500 bucks, something like that. Uh, but more important, you guys got to give me a clue when you're going to drink. That was synchronized <laughs> drinking there. Next time, give me drinking. Else, I know when I'm supposed to go. Uh, mine's uh, iced tea. I'm not but, sure about Greg. But more importantly, Vodka. 
Uh, I'm, it seems like we've been waiting a while for the Sienna, so I'm glad to see they finally uh, brought it out. Keeping the all-wheel drive, I think, is very important. I know there's a lot of people that really depend on that. A lot of fans of the Sienna in general have been waiting for this car. I get asked about it a lot, believe it or not. Uh, so it should be cool. We say all the time that for most people, uh, minivans are a better alternative than crossovers. And uh, with the all-wheel drive on the Sienna, that certainly makes the case. You know, the, um, the uh, Sienna has been out there almost, well, by itself for quite a long time with, with all-wheel drive. But I was a little surprised that they made all of them hybrids. But then Toyota says they will have a hybrid model of every vehicle they make by 2025, which is really only four model years away. So it's coming fast. And that kind of plays into the second one they unveiled at the same time. And that's the, they brought back the Venza. And it's standard hybrid as well with standard uh, all-wheel drive. Yeah, I think we had mentioned it in the uh, first drive or the first look is that the first Venza was kind of ahead of its time because really if you look at it, the Venza when it came out in the early to mid-2000s, it was like basically what everything is now coming out as a crossover. Very much like a car, rides, rides like a car, sits lower but still higher. Yeah, if that makes sense. That was kind of a stupid thing to say, but. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it looks a lot like a Lexus. I mean, it looks even more like a Lexus than most Toyotas, which really look like Lexuses. Yeah, as they almost kind of, uh, RX profile. Yeah, it almost didn't belong in the Toyota lineup when it came out, and it was never a big seller, which is why it kind of disappeared there for a while. But yeah. the people that bought them love them. Uh, sort of, it's sort of like an Outback size more like a Camry wagon than crossover. Uh, now standard all-wheel drive, not just having all-wheel drive now, it's standard, more of a crossover. Uh, probably be a little more popular this time around. So this was- Hey, I mean, you definitely see Venza's still out of, um, I just, I, there's somebody in my neighborhood who has one. Um, and so I, I think it will be interesting to kind of size it up with the RAV4 too, because I know the dimensions aren't incredibly different um and you know we had the rav4 for a, a while so um yeah it'll it'll be definitely interesting to see sort of how they compare and like if you know they saw some things that were maybe missing in the rav4 to kind of make it a little more upscale and they you know throw it in the venza i, I think one of them is the coupe like roof which rav4 looks like a your traditional kind of boxy SUV and I'm sure that the um, the Venza is probably going to have less uh, cargo area just between the cost of the sh roof shape but as we've seen especially with the Germans that doesn't seem to deter sales. All right let's move on to um, unusual that we actually have a sedan to talk about and this is Acura's next generation TLX. Uh, they're basically discontinuing the RLX, the big sedan, and going to concentrate on the TLX and the smaller ILX. Standard two-liter I4 turbo, 272 horsepower, a couple of hot dog versions of it coming. All-wheel drive will be available, which it was not on the previous TLX. Reaction, I think is going to be, does it do much for this shrinking sedan market? Yeah, the TLX uh, hasn't been around that long in the lineup. It kind of replaced both the TL and the TSX when uh, Acura merged them together and kind of made it into more of a sports sedan um, going up against like 3 Series. 
uh, certainly didn't live up to that original version, I wouldn't say. Say this version has a little more chance. Uh, the base engine is a two liter turbo now, which has more horsepower than the previous six, mm -hmm. and also more torque than the upgraded six that you could get uh, currently. So uh, it should be, uh, you know, a lot more capable. Acura's always have that weird, uh, not sure how to describe it. Um, they always handle better than I'm expecting, mm -hmm. but not in a way that you enjoy it. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just, it's not quite like Lexus, but everything's so electronic and precise that you're you're really driving fast, but you never really get the visceral joy out of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this one will be any different, but uh, it certainly looks a lot better than the previous one. So. Maybe maybe in the Type S they might dial in a little bit more, which is really what they've been showing in in all the early pictures. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I get what Robinson's saying, believe it or not. Um, he was able to describe it fairly well. <laughs> I think you kind of just have to drive it to understand it. Uh, but yeah, to what you said, John, uh, the Type S, I think is what, you know, we are looking forward to the most and a lot of enthusiasts are. Um, that actually gets a different V6, a three liter. Mm -hmm. uh, so not the 3.5 liter upgraded that you get in an A-spec. Yeah, that's the all new engine, which should be exciting. And this is a all new platform too. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if they expand it into more sort of high performance things or whether they keep it just for, for this car, we'll see. Jessica, you weren't here probably when the, uh, the original TLX came out. So you don't have anything to compare it to, but what was your first impression uh, on it? I think it looks good. Um, I, I've driven a, an uh, RDX, so I'm sort of familiar with Acura and, and the way that they drive. Um, but I, I, I really like the, you know, the, the new front fascias. Um, I think it gives it a very, uh, oh, probably very overused word, but bold, you know, look to it. That sort of is, you know, cohesive with the rest of the Acura, you know, lineup. Um, I've, I've really liked how they've sort of moved from that, that silver to the oh, black. The steel? Yeah. Awful. They actually, <laughs> they actually did use the word bold multiple times in the press release. And I think that may be a copyright infringement with Toyota. <laughs> I don't know if they got something they got to work out with them or not. But. Oh, boy. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think one of the great things about this is the fact that, you know, it has this new uh, platform that it's on with the double wishbone suspension um, and that it won't share it with a Honda you know, this is just Acura. So I think a lot of people, you know, do take, take a look at that, you know, when, you know, do you pay the premium for the Acura, you know, if, you know, the same sort of thing is available to Honda. So I think that that's definitely a big plus. It, it's uh, an interesting looking car. And I really think Brian nailed it when he talked about driving it. Whenever you get into an Acura product, you don't expect it to drive as well as it did. And it's almost like you look down and think, I just did that, or I'm going much faster than I, I feel like it. So it's like they're exceptionally well-performing cars for you know, everyday use and above that, but yet the feedback is often muted by all the electronics. I think it also has to do with the interior of the car because it's, it's super plush in there, like quite literally, like a lot of cushioning and things like yeah. that. So you don't really feel a lot of what's happening below you so that might play into it as well 
All right, let's move on to a vehicle we just had in for testing that's uh, already been shot and coming up on a show pretty soon. The 2020 Mercedes-Benz GLB 250, another compact SUV from Mercedes, two liter i4 turbo. I liked it. You know, I thought it, it sort of it had more room in it than the GLC and uh, I really enjoyed driving it, even though it kind of looks like a throwback. I agree. I think it's, um... It's refreshingly throwback. Like you said, John, it's, it's boxy on the outside and even on the inside. I don't know if anybody else felt this way, but the, it's, it feels like it sits upright, kind of like a G-Wagon does. And you have like a big commanding view of the road. And it's not like it's a performance SUV where everything's too tight. I mean, it rolls a little bit, but I mean, it's, I think it's comfortable. I found it very uh, contradictory in a good way. Like the interior was the same as like every other Benz lately, especially with the twin screen uh, array, which I think is beautiful and works great. I think everyone's going to start copying that, or they should. But uh, the exterior, on the other hand, it looks nothing like any other uh, SUVs in the Benz lineup, except for maybe the G-Class. It kind of looks like a cartoon version of that and uh, very rugged looking. And we talked about the GLA a couple uh, times ago on podcast. Uh, I was surprised they made such a uh, effort in off-road prowess. So uh, maybe that was just a foreshadowing of this one. It's got all the same off-road stuff. So it should be pretty uh, legit little SUV that doesn't look all swoopy and uh, like the rest of the lineup. Ours uh, didn't have the third row, which is an option in the GLB, believe it or not. So I'm not sure how uh, effective that is. But all in all, I was pretty impressed with it. Jessica, did you have a chance to see it? Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've seen it. I haven't had a chance to get in it yet, but um, I, I think it's, I really like the boxy look. I'm a fan of, of boxier sort of utilities and SUVs. So, why, you know, I, why, why is that? Is it, that practical? It, or? I think it's just, you know, it has a, you know, more classic look you know, to it, like, like we were talking about, you know, I grew up driving, you know, uh, Tahoe's and Suburbans. So for me, that's the sort of truck in, you know, and utility that I, you know, um, that I enjoy. So, um, and, and, you know, you guys talked about it before, it definitely has a different look than, you know, uh, the other stuff that is on the Mercedes lineup. And, you know, some people were asking, well, why do we need another one? You know, why? Well, you know, here's something a little bit different. So, yeah. yeah, and you can't have too many SUVs in your lineup. That's all everybody yeah. There's plenty of letters in the alphabet. So, <laughs> it's, um, you know, I know it's expensive for its size, but really for 38, a little under 38 grand before you add freight, it's kind of makes some sense. I mean, I think there's plenty of Mercedes households out there looking for smaller SUVs that'll be very attracted to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the rest of the lineup goes, whether they all have been start looking more like this one or whether this is going to be something unique in the lineup. It'd be cool if it was kind of unique uh, options. But we'll see. Okay, everybody, on the count of three, we all drink. One, two, three. As we transition from our vehicles <laughs> to our lightning round, if we were all together in the studio, we'd have a uh, a bell and everything. We talk about 30 seconds on the lightning round. We go to the next person. We sort of don't do that too much anymore. But anyway, here is the question. 
Ford has recently announced it's bringing back the Mustang Mach 1 for the 21 model year. And it's uh, said to be the most track leader, uh, track ready four liter uh, V8 Mustang ever, bridging the gap between the traditional GT and the Shelby models. Uh, is this gonna be a must have? What's Ford doing here? Is it just trying to slice the onion thinner? What's your, what's your reaction? It's a great I'll, name. I'll, I'll write the question better next time. It, it's a five liter, uh, fast or most track ready five liter. What did I say? You I said four even, liter. Sorry, if I, that's I, my mistake. I tripped you up with the no, question. No, 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 no. It's, it's written correctly on your page. It's a John error. Yeah, five I mean, you, you guys got me all excited because if it was a four liter, then it would be a <laughs> yeah, That would be really something, on new, uh, something we're talking about. Um, anyway. It's going to be a cool Mustang, no doubt. I hesitate calling it a must-have because I think most of the faithful, as you worded in your question, would probably, if they're looking for a track car, they'd probably rather build it themselves more so than just buying one. This would be more to me going to collectors and stuff like that. So uh, plus, there'll be something cooler next year, probably. So I wouldn't call it a must-have. Do you think it's gonna? How do you think it's gonna fit with the bullet? Be like above the bullet but stripped down i mean what what little we know about it it's definitely above the bullet and yeah. the bullet's gone away that that was just yeah. too bad to one yeah it's supposed to be a one-year thing they actually sold it for two years i think yeah. this year, uh time around but uh yeah bullet will go away yeah i think the mach one will just live well enough on its name it's just inherently it's a cool name mach one well, i remember um, the first one yeah believe me it's still a, they're quite collector's items and and a lot of barn fine mach ones around ford and uh kind of like dodge they're just really hammering that nostalgia thing with uh dodge with the challenger and all their models and ford with mach one and um, the bullet edition so uh i mean i I'm always shocked at how good this new Mustang is. The independent rear Mustang is on a track. Uh, and I'm talking just like a base GT is good now. Um, so I'm excited to drive a Mach 1. Uh, I still would probably prefer, especially if I had the money, a Shelby. The new GT500 is just insane on the track. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it, it just comes down to what you want. Do you want supercharged Shelby with, for a little bit more money or stick with a 5 liter? You know, Ford's got to keep the car alive. It's the only car they're, they're under the Ford band uh, brand left. So I guess they got to milk it for all it's worth. Anybody else? I'm going to defer to you guys on that. You know, I, I've, I've driven some fast cars, but um, I still need to build up my repertoire a little well, bit. You're, you're, <laughs> most, you're kind of too young to be a Mustang nostalgic uh, enthusiast, but you'll get there. I get there. Uh, we have a viewer question from Scotty. I assume that's not of Star Trek's uh, fame. He says, um, <clears throat> I've watched the Deep Creek Drive episode. That's Motor Week Goes for a Drive. It's something we did for a lot of our, uh, for our region during the uh, virus shutdown in April and May. Uh, he said, I love the blue skies punctuated by the puffy white clouds. We were up in the Deep Creek area of Western Maryland. But here's, here's the question. The driving is so precise that it is distracting. Who was driving? Well, what, have you got any idea what Scotty means? Yeah, well, uh, that's a compliment, I think. I think that, so, too. I, it was me driving. 
uh, both times actually. But you know, I caught so much flack from the first time driving for reasons that I'm not going to get into. That I really made sure that I was extra precise. And you weren't speeding this time, right? I mean, that allegedly speeding. <laughs> I can I can get into uh, some some specifics if you want to. But like I said, I'm not going to get into it. But yeah, that was me driving, and I I didn't I made a conscious effort to be very good with my movements and breaking and not changing lanes suddenly that's right and and staying on the proper side of the right. yellow line we do try and do that with all of our drive-bys i mean we go to a racetrack and we let it out there but on the road for those of you that haven't seen any either of them we actually did two shows one was uh from annapolis maryland over the chesapeake bay bridge and then we did the one in deep creek which is what scotty's referring to and they were really cameras attached to a car no talking, nice music, historical landmarks, and Greg's brilliant driving. So <laughs> it was yeah. so good. It was the precise driving. But I'm 90% sure that question was a plant. I don't know if Scotty, <laughs> is, that's the name of your dog or what, but there's no way that was a legit question. <laughs> well, I'm sure Scotty will let us know. <laughs> you uh, know, John, hey, yeah. you know, I'm actually uh, really kind of surprised by you know how many people enjoyed um these episodes that we've done we've had so much feedback that i've you know we've received that i've seen with comments um and you then you can still also, see them on youtube right yep yeah they're still available they're available on youtube on our youtube on the motor week youtube page and they're also available on um pbs.org well um so if anybody wants to watch they're, they're very relaxing um, and you know some people even um, which um, you know now that we're we're back in motion I don't think that's gonna happen um, you know well let's let's hope we don't have to save it the idea for another maybe, shutdown. maybe they can use them in driver's ed classes around the country <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you, you just beat me to it I was getting ready to say that <laughs> well, that's a really good idea <laughs> All right, thanks, Scotty. Uh, anybody got anything they want to rant and rave about? Um, I miss going into work and driving cars. <laughs> Good lady. <laughs> I think that's, I think we that's all about do. it. Overrated. I'm, I'm all about hunkering down. <laughs> I had to go into work this week, and I realized I don't really miss it. <laughs> I will add fodder to what you probably already read about. I did a a trip down to see some relatives in the South <clears throat> the last few days. I really didn't believe that people could drive worse than they already are, but they are, especially around the Washington Beltway. It was like being a bumper in a pinball machine and just watching everybody literally almost bounce off everybody else with no regard to speed signals. I mean, it, it was already bad, but because there was less traffic on the road, um, seems like everybody's just gotten worse and 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 this was with a lot of police presence i mean you couldn't go two three miles without seeing it uh it was unusual to be driving in rush hour around washington and being able not being stuck in traffic but wow it was uh it was kind of scary frankly they need to spend some time with uh, greg apparently yeah i'm so good i'm distracting <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I, I just caution everybody out there just because there's less traffic on the road doesn't mean you throw your uh, 
intelligence behind the wheel out the window. And that was what I had. No one else? Nothing. All right. Well, let's wrap up our Motor Week podcast number 231. Brian, Greg, Jessica, thank you very much for joining us. Okay, kids, one more drink. Three, two, one. All non-alcoholic, I think. Um, audio engineer, when we're back at uh, MPT and making sure everything goes out on the internet terrifically is Jim Bigwood. Of course, Greg here is our podcast producer. Our podcast creator is Bob Mixter. Thank you all for joining us. Everyone out there, Motor Week is now back into full production, so you should be seeing new episodes on your PBS stations as well as on the Motor Trend cable network. Don't forget, though, you can catch up with us anytime and see all of the numerous, the dozens and dozens of segments that we did during our eight-week hiatus up on uh, youtube.com slash motorweek. And new episodes, of course, as Jessica mentioned, at pbs.org slash motorweek. You know, basically, if you've got a screen, you can find Motorweek. I'm John Davis. For all of us, thanks for being a part of Motorweek. You've been listening to the podcast of Motorweek, television's original automotive magazine. Motorweek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motorweek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.